Welcome to the Lucky Let Court Podcast, a Tennis Now production sponsored by Tennis Express. I'm your host, Chris Otto, coming at you from day 11 at Wimbledon. Men's finals are set now. Roger Federer has just taken out Rafael Nadal in four sets. He will face Novak Djokovic in the final. Of course, the women's final set for tomorrow. That'll be Serena Williams and Simona Halep. We've got venerable tennis Hall of Famer Steve Flink here to break it all down with us from Wimbledon. Let's cut right to that interview now. Let Court Podcast is live from Wimbledon. The men's semifinals are complete. The final is set. It will be Novak Djokovic and Roger Federer. We just saw Roger Federer take down Rafael Nadal in four sets. We have the venerable tennis Hall of Famer Steve Flink with us to break it down. How are you doing, Steve? I'm, I'm great, Chris. Just trying to absorb what we just saw this afternoon, but it, it was a remarkable match there with Federer and Nadal, and it, it had some odd twists and turns, but I really enjoyed it, and of course, it sparkled most at the very end when Nadal made a gallant attempt to sort of keep himself in the match and perhaps get on serve at the end of the fourth, especially when Federer was serving for the match at 5-4 in the fourth. Fascinating match. Yeah, incredible, and quite surprising. I think a lot of people in the media room were, were tabbing Nadal for the victory. Oh, he I had... was. I was. I absolutely was. But I think there were a couple of things that happened that were important. The first set tiebreak was critical. They both... They both served really well through the first, no breaks. Nadal fended off a break point. Federer was almost letter perfect on serve. We go into the breaker and Rafa makes a great pass at the start of the breaker. Amazing, he scooped that ball up on his backhand and looped it into the corner past Federer. So he's got the mini break, Federer gets it right back. Rafa gets another mini break for 3-2. And from there it was all Federer. I mean, Rafa won one point on his serve in the tie break, one. The other two that he won in the 7-3 breaker were on Roger's serve. That's That was hard to believe, and it was a great effort from Federer because his shot making was supreme in that sequence. Then we go into the second set, and, and Rafa gets on that roll and wins it 6-1, and you're thinking, okay, Ra- Ra- Roger at that point is looking a little bit mentally and physically fatigued or a, lit- a bit dazed. He certainly didn't look nearly as sharp as he's been in the first, and you think maybe Rafa has turned the corner. But then Federer grabbed the early break in the third, and when Rafa had three break point opportunities to get back on serve in the third and didn't uh, exploit them, I, I sensed he got pretty down on himself, and Federer did a great job. Of, it, Federer could have broken him another time or two after that, and Rafa had to just fight hard to hold on to his serve. Roger serves it out. And then in the fourth, we get again. Roger gets on top of things, finally at the end. After Roger had the early break, you know, and Rafa was serving to stay in the match at 3-5, he saves a couple of match points, saves a couple of more in the last game, and had a break point that was so important, and he seemed to have the rally, upper hand in the rally, ended up missing a slice backhand at the end of the point. He was very, very dismayed by that. And then Roger just persisted with some great serves down the tee. So Roger really only lost his serve the two times in the second set. But in the other three sets, he was unbroken. In the end, that was that was a crucial part of the outcome, was his ability to keep holding when when uh, he was facing a very tough returner in Rafa Nadal. And you have to think that that first set tiebreaker was huge. Now it's the player who's won the first set, winning 32 out of 40 in this rivalry. Yep. And, and Federer has and, taken and all... six of seven of the breakers well, they played at Wimbledon. Say. That was what I was going to allude to. It goes back to 06 when they split two tiebreaks. Then in that final, and Roger won in four sets. The next year, a five-setter, two of Roger's sets were tiebreaks that he won. Then the next year, the 08 final, the epic, 
he won the third and fourth sets in tiebreak. So yeah, Rafa only winning one, but it's, but most of those breakers, with the exception of the four set tiebreak in the 08 epic, where he had a couple of match points, were tiebreaks that Roger clearly outplayed him. This time, Rafa had two openings there at the start, two mini breaks, and couldn't really take advantage of it. I think that had to be disappointing. On the other hand, he comes right back and roars through the second set. So it's a hard match to digest, but certainly a very impressive performance from Federer, who just regained the upper hand early in the third and kept it. And then held his nerve at the very end because in the last game of that match at 30 all he missed an overhead it was a great lob from Nadal but Roger totally missed the overhead you rarely see that from him and yet it didn't it didn't rattle him it really didn't rattle him it's not like he then threw in a double fault and suddenly it's five all in trouble again he he was very poised and I think he also sensed that it was a slightly frazzled Nadal he was kind of down on himself in in the last couple of sets of this match and chiding himself for some missed opportunities, including the slice backhand on break point in the last game. So Federer not only outplayed Nadal, but he actually outcompeted him. Let's talk a little bit legacy here. Federer now into his 12th Wimbledon final. That's five more than anybody else. Um, and, and he takes a really big win in the rivalry against Nadal. I think if Nadal won this match, you could say that they were maybe a split on grass. I think maybe legacy-wise, is it important for Roger to keep his domain here at Wimbledon? Yeah, it's not as important as it would have been if it had been a final and they actually were playing for the title. I mean, that Australian win 17 was very big because it was a Grand Slam final and only the third time in nine that he'd beaten Rafa in a major final. It's a very important win for, for Federer in terms of keeping his belief in himself because he had won five in a row before losing that match to Rafa in Paris. So now he's, he's feeling good about himself again. If they were to meet again at the U.S. Open, I think he would like his chances. In that sense, it's very important. But historically, it'll only be really important if he upset Djokovic in the final because then he'd be distancing himself. Rafa had gotten so close to him within two, and then it, now it would be three again. And uh, let's talk about that final. That's a big one, of course. Djokovic took out Roberto Batista right. Agu in four sets, played quite well doing it. Well, it was um, a that was a strange match, too. Yeah, he did play well. once. He played a nice first set, and Batista Agu, uh, Novak mixed it up well with some slice back and some drop shots, some unexpected approaches to the net. He kept him off balance in the first. Suddenly, he lost his range completely off the forehand side in the second set. He was bewildered by change rackets three or four times. And that second set got away, and uh, only he only got broken once, but he was outplayed. And then he found it again to get the break midway through the third and kept it going through the fourth. So I thought he played three really good sets, one sort of baffling one. But he'll feel pretty good about how he's played overall in the tournament. And that match, which potentially looked today like it could go quite long, ended up being under three hours, and it didn't tax him too much because the, the, the last two sets were three and two. So Djokovic, I think, is, is feeling good about himself and, and, and the final. It's going to be a big challenge for Roger Federer, of course. Uh, he's lost to Djokovic in the, the last two times they met here at the Wimbledon final. 14 has, and 15. Right, and, and hasn't had also, that much success also, against him overall no. in the majors and since 2015, really. No, and that same year, 2015, he also lost him in the U.S. Open final. So since he beat Novak in the finals of the 2007 U.S. Open, he's lost three major finals to him. That doesn't mean that he won't physically recover from this match and maybe put on another inspirational performance. I think he will need a little help from Novak Djokovic to get through it. I think, you know, maybe a, some nerves at the end of a set, something like that. And he'll have to serve really well again. I'd be surprised if Novak, who's a better returner than Rafa, Rafa's a great returner getting the ball, but Novak can be 
his returns can come back deeper and he can do more with them at times than Rafa. Rafa is a matter of just getting a lot of them back in play when he's playing well. But So it would be harder for Roger to hold perhaps, perhaps against Novak in the final and also to hold his own from the baseline because I thought Nadal, was his backhand was slightly off today and maybe the forehand wasn't quite as good as it's been throughout the tournament. In Djokovic, he's going to have a, you know, a two-way guy who can hurt him off both sides and out rally him. It'll be it'll be a fascinating test because those matches were one of them was five sets here in the final in 14. The next one was four sets. The U.S. Open was a close four set final. It's not going to be easy for Novak Djokovic. I just think the the that the odds you, you have to give him the edge going in based on, uh, on for a lot of reasons. The fact that he's the number one player in the world that he'd won three majors in a row before Roland Garros and the fact that he has shown that he can rise to the occasion now the last three times in majors, major finals against Roger Federer. Right. It feels like Federer of late has had the game to get close to Djokovic, like you alluded to, the five sets in in 14, the four-setter in 2015. But maybe it comes down to physicality and, and willpower, and Djokovic is able to kind of edge past him in those categories. Yeah, I think so. And also the question is he does have a day off, but this was – I I seldom seen Federer dig more on defense than he did today. I think he kind of got in Nadal's head a bit with that. Rafa, I thought, should have been able to finish off some of those points in spite of Rogers retrieving. But nonetheless, Federer's court coverage was phenomenal, but it required an awful lot of running across those four sets. Now he gets his day off, but he still may feel the effects of that slightly uh, when he takes the court against Djokovic. So if it gets into another tough, taxing physical battle, which it almost inevitably will, how well it will his legs hold up? It's going to be really interesting to see what he can do physically to, uh, to try to get back to the same level he was today. Exactly. We always knew that uh, the Nadal-Federer side of the draw would have it a little bit tougher, and that might prove to be true. Let's, let's switch gears and talk a little bit about the women because we've got a final between Serena Williams and Simona Halep tomorrow. And, you know, Steve, you and I stood here last year about this time wondering what went wrong for Serena when she was blitzed by Anjali Kerber in the final, losing 3-3 three and three in 65 minutes. Do you see it playing out differently this year? I do, but it's interesting, Chris, that you'd allude to that match because I'll, I'll say – I, along with many other observers, thought that she was primed to win that title last year. And I didn't underestimate Angie Kerber because I'd seen her beat Serena at the Australian Open Finals once before. But I, I thought, it's, this is grass, this is Serena's court, she'll win. On, this court, on the grass, she's going to be too tough for Angie. It's one thing to beat her on the hard courts in Australia. But that didn't happen at all. There is that possibility. Simona, there are some similarities, Simona, to Angie because she relies on a lot of good defense, good, good ability to extend points, win long rallies, stay in rallies, and a good returner. The question is, if, if, if so Serena gets tight, which I think she was against Angie, she could have problems. Otherwise, I think she's going to be in the driver's seat because of the way she's serving and coming off an easy semifinal. So I think physically she's fine after the tough match with risk in the quarters. So that's going to be the big question. Is it, is it the same tight Serena Williams we saw, apprehensive going into Kerber match and, and Kerber taking full advantage of it? And, and hardly making an unforced error over two sets? Or is Serena back on top of her game, relaxed enough to attack when she needs to and end points quickly when she wants to as well? It'll be interesting. I think Halep's attitude will be excellent. She's really happy to be in the final. It's not like she still has to chasing her first major title. She got the French a year ago. So she's just going to, I think she's going to enjoy herself, to tell you the truth, and just see what happens. 
Yeah, a little bit surprising to see Halep in the final on grass, and uh, we know she's had her problems with Serena Lifetime. Got but the win against not, her. Maybe not as surprising, Chris, because of the courts. I mean, we, we, we can get to this a little bit more in a minute because Roger Federer made that court look rather quick today, just as Djokovic and Bautista Agut made it look slow. So partially it's how you play, but I do think overall it's a court that suits Halep uh, more than the courts being faster, what, what they might have played like 10, 15, 20 years ago. So she is comfortable. She's playing some of the best grass court tennis she ever has. So that's all in her favor, but it's still... There's still the feeling that if Serena is emotionally right and mentally tough and relaxed enough that, that, that she will control her own destiny, that Simona will only be able to do so much to counterattack. Steve, you and I sat together and watched Serena take down Barbara Streetseva, dropping yes. just three games and looking very good while doing so. Does that give you an indication that maybe she's a little further ahead of where she was last year, movement and health-wise? I don't think so, because I thought she looked great in the semis last year, too. All the way to the final, I thought she looked good. So I, I don't really put too much stock in that. That was an easy semi, and Strickova couldn't... She wasn't able to really test her to the hilt the way that I think Simona can. But I still think as long as, as Serena is in the right frame of mind and not thinking too much about Grand Slam title number 24 and tying Margaret Court and just focusing on this match, winning Wimbledon again, then I think, it, then I think it's her match to win. All right, Serena doesn't want to think about tying Margaret Court, but we do. What is, talk about the implications of this match legacy-wise for Serena means a lot. She doesn't have the long-term consistency that uh, Steffi Graf had or Mart Martina Navratilova or Chrissy Everett for that matter. Uh, but it's more so, It's the battle is more so between her people when we think about who's the greatest of all time. We tend to compare her to Steffi and Martina. Now they had many more consistent years strung together than Serena has. She's had a lot of ups and downs in her career, but to get to that 24 would be a, a, a real coup for her, a real, a, a great achievement. And then, of course, she could try to get 25 at the Open, if that were the case, or next year. So it's very important to her, given the fact that she doesn't have the year-in, year-out year out consistency of a Graf or a Navratilova, but this would be like such a feather in her cap to finally get to 24. Obviously, she already broke Steffi's 22, and now she'd be tied with Margaret for the all-time record because Margaret won a lot of those as an amateur. Margaret also won, by the way, Chris, 11 Australians, a lot of those in the amateur era. It's not that the amateur era matters. It's that the fields were not as strong year in, year out as the other majors, particularly not as strong as Wimbledon in the U.S. And Margaret doesn't like to hear that. I've even debated it with her in interviews. But it's true because some years Maria Buena would go to Australia, some years Billie Jean, but not always the same year. So if you looked at, the, looked at her victories, Margaret's victories, some of the players she's beaten in the finals and some of the, the cruises she had through those draws, you see that it was not as tough for her to win those by any means as it was to win her five French or, or her three Wimbledons or her many U.S. Opens. So that has to be weighed as well. Thank you for putting that into perspective for us, Steve. Last question. What about the other side of the coin? What would this mean for Simona Halep if she's able to get the Wimbledon title tomorrow? Well, for one thing, I think it would probably mean Simona would eventually get in the International Tennis Hall of Fame with a second major. I don't think that would really be on her mind tomorrow. Or she'd even be thinking about something like that. But once you've won more than one major, you're putting yourself in a strong position to get in there, as we see with Kafelnikov this year, as we see with Lee Na, as we see with Mary Pierce. They all won a couple. And that, that can often be the difference between it, it be the decisive 
thing in getting into the Hall of Fame to prove that you've done it more than once. So that's one thing. And I just think it would propel, more, more importantly in the near term, it would propel Simona forward and get her thinking about continuing along these lines and, and winning some more majors. Because she could go after the Open. She could try to get an Australian, try to get another French. I mean, I just think it would get her believing in herself because this has been a great fortnight for her, win or lose tomorrow. But if she pulled off the upset... It could be a, a, a ignite her in many ways and and uh, lead to more majors. Speaking of tennis Hall of Fame, he's Steve Flink. He is a member of the International Tennis Hall of Fame, and I am be pleased to speak with you today, Stephen. Let's do it again after the men's final on Sunday. Oh, okay. So we're not going to. We, yeah, we've covered. We've talked enough about the men's final, right? I think for now, yeah. but we're, we're going to be breaking it down Sunday. Yeah, will will you join me? I will, absolutely. And just a final thing, comment on that. It's, it's going to be, I, I, off, I wondered toward the end of the match how Djokovic was feeling if he was sitting back in his hotel room or wherever he's staying watching this match, watching these guys kill each other for three hours, and then w- what his sentiments might have been about playing Nadal versus playing Federer. But I think he's going to be very fired up for that match. I think, you know, there's, there's a real... Federer and Djokovic are not close personally. They're very respectful, though. But I think he's going to... It's just there's going to be an edge to both of them on Sunday that's going to be good for the tennis. They're going to both want it very badly. And Federer will well remember those last three losses in majors against Novak, and so will he. So it may... It, it's, it, it may it, and I also think, by the way, that the matchup is better... It's a better matchup than Djokovic and Nadal, even though I think the tennis can sometimes be better in Djokovic against Nadal. To see Federer with the contrast playing Novak and Roger with the serve and trying to attack and trying to get in and Novak countering it all. And it, it, the tennis usually sparkles when they meet, and I don't think Sunday will be any exception. Perfect. Well said, Stephen. We'll talk again in a few days and enjoy the rest of Wimbledon. All right. Thanks, Chris. Enjoyed it. This edition of the Lucky Let Cord podcast is a wrap. Special thanks to Tennis Hall of Famer Steve Flink for joining us. We're looking forward to talking with him after the men's final. Hope you guys enjoy the women's final on Saturday and the men's final on Sunday. want you guys to keep in mind you can follow the Lucky Let Cord podcast on Apple Podcasts. Just open the app, type in Lucky Let Cord podcast. Voila, you're there. You can also find this podcast on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Google Play, or on our podcast homepage at podomatic.com. You can find Tennis Now on the web at Facebook dot com slash tennis now also find us on twitter at tennis underscore now and instagram and you can find me around the grounds for the last weekend of wimbledon thank you for listening and we'll see you tomorrow on the lucky let cord podcast <laughs>